You know, am, am I doing something significant enough with my life that somebody's going to look back and go like, wow, that was not a life that was wasted, but that was a life that was well lived. Like they did something very, very impactful. And I know for me, I start having those thoughts as I'm getting older in life. Maybe some of you guys know what I'm saying. When, you're, when you turn 20, you start thinking about like, I want to have an impact in life. And then you hit 30 and you realize, man, the first 30 years of my life went away pretty fast, and you're thinking, man, I better start really getting in on that. Then when you start to hit the big 4-0 and the big 5-0, basically anytime you have a 9 in your number of the year of your life and you're adding one more to it, it seems like to me that I always start going, like, is my life making a difference? Like, am I making an impact in our life? And, and here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest that for every single one of us, the reason why we ask ourselves those kind of questions like, and is this life meaningful? Am I making a difference with my life? Is because our creator created us with this desire to do something significant with our life, not to just exist and go through life and kind of coast, but he actually created us to live on purpose and have a significant impact. I can remember quite a few years ago, right after we first started the church, um, you know, there was maybe, I remember, this was probably at the maybe 90-day mark of our church, which at that point, we probably had maybe 65 to 80 people showing up on a regular basis. So virtually, we had nobody coming to our church, and uh, it was it was very, very depressing. And, and I remember driving through Collier City at the time. We were doing outreaches there. There would be six of us that would show up there to do an outreach. Not like this past uh, weekend, where not this weekend, but the weekend before we had like 40-something people out there serving. But I remember we, we would go out there and they'd be like myself and Bones, who's the bass player back here. And, and we would see all these kids running around and we'd go like, what is the hope for this community? And I started thinking to myself, you know what, I think I can make a difference here. Like, maybe I can help some kids go to school this, this year. You know, it was during the middle of the summer, and, and I was like, maybe, maybe we can do something. And I was in Anderson, South Carolina, and I was listening to one of my mentors, a guy named Perry Noble, and he was talking about, like, we're going to make a huge difference this year. And I was like, you know what, I want to make a huge difference this year. I want to do something significant with my life. If, if I'm not going to impact everybody, I can at least impact somebody. And so I, I got really radical and said, you know what, I'm going to do something significant with my life. And I decided I was going to go live in a, a cherry picker, uh, 50 foot in the air, for as long as it would take to raise a thousand backpacks with school supplies for kids. I thought, like, this is going to make a difference. It might not make a difference for everybody, but I can make a huge difference in this community. And so for the next 56 hours in rain and extreme heat of the summer. I lived in this, this place till I got dehydrated so bad. And another organization came alongside of us and said, you know what, this is amazing. Like CNN was showing up in helicopters, all this crazy stuff that we ended up raising like over 2,000 backpacks with, with school supplies for kids. And, and it was amazing to go out and give these backpacks and these school supplies to these kids and, and go to teachers and say, hey, listen, any kid that you have that shows up to your class this year that doesn't have anything, call us up. We'll show up with everything that they need. And we were able to make a huge impact as a church. And, and there's such a huge payoff to that when you realize that, man, your life goes so much further 
than yourself. And maybe for you, it's not going and raising thousands of backpacks. Maybe for you, it's looking out and seeing the guy on the corner and going, you know what, I, I can't maybe affect hundreds of people, but I can affect this one, and I'm gonna make a difference in their life. Maybe for you, it's showing up at 5.30 a.m. like some of you did this morning. I know some of you guys are in here and saying, you know what, maybe I don't like being out in front of people, and I'm not gonna make a huge impact publicly, but privately, I'm gonna create atmosphere so people can come and experience Jesus from the next generation all the way to adults because I want my life to have meaning. I want my life to have purpose. So when people raise their hand for salvation at the end of service, that isn't because TJ preached a good message or the worship team sang good songs. That's because we created an atmosphere where God can move in somebody's life. I'm gonna do something significant with my life. And when we do that, there's just this something inside of us that goes, you know what, I don't know exactly what that is, but man, that's just right. Like, I was created to do that thing. And it takes courage to step out and do some of those things. And, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about being courageous and what does that mean for our life. And we're going to be studying some people in the book of Acts because I think the book of Acts is one of the, the coolest chapters and coolest books of the Bible. It's talking about this very ragtag group of people that God put together to build his church. They were a bunch of nobodies that did something significant in life and impacted the world in such a great way that it's still being impacted today. And I'm going to kind of tell you up front what the goal of this series is and what my desire is. My desire is that, man, we would be mobilized as individuals and as a church to be the people that God called us to be, to go out and make an impact in every arena of our life, from our, from our families to our homes to, to going out into our workplace, to our community, to the school system, that everywhere we go, there would be uh, us stepping out and living courageously and living beyond ourselves and living for other people, that the entire community would be changed in us and through us as a body and I'm just crazy enough to believe that as Christ followers that if we're really following Jesus with all of our heart everywhere we go we're making an impact every place every time we step into a store we should be making an impact because of Jesus in our life every time we show up at our workplace because Christ is living inside of us that place should be different every time our kids show up at school because Jesus is living inside of them that classroom is being impacted I believe that everywhere we put ourselves man it should be making a difference our neighbors should be glad that we're living next to them because we put our trash out on time and we bring it back in and our yard is always nice like they should notice that there's something different about our lives because of the way that we're living for Christ. I believe that our church should be living and acting in such a way that our city knows exactly who we are. And they go, you know what, there's something different about that place. And because that place is here, it's making a difference. And that's what the book of Acts was all about. It's about these people starting to realize that God has put something within them. And they're not to just know about that thing, but they're to step out and be courageous and act on that thing. And so today we're just going to look at Acts chapter 1 and we're going to talk about how do we become this courageous people that God has called us to be. How do we be that as individuals? How do we be that as a church? And so... Um, we're, we're just going to start in the beginning because I thought, what's, where's, where's a good place to start? And usually the beginning is a good place to start. And so um, do, do any of you guys know who wrote the book of Acts? Anybody? Just shout it out. Luke. Okay, one person did. Awesome. Somebody's been reading their Bible. And uh, if you have an outline sheet, you can follow along. Acts chapter 1, 
Uh, we're going to be starting there in Acts chapter 1, 1 through 3. It says, Dear Theophilus, I don't know if that's really how you say his name, but that's how we're going to say it today. Um, the first book, which, which, what was the first book that Luke wrote? Luke. Okay, some of y'all are paying attention. Good, good. So, so this would be his second book, um, if you're just doing simple addition. Um, the first book I wrote was about everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day he was carried up into heaven. Before he went, he talked to the apostles he had chosen. With the help of the Holy Spirit, he told them what they should do. This was after his death, but he showed them that he was alive, proving it to them in many ways. The apostles saw Jesus many times during the 40 days after he was raised to death. Now, like, you could read that and just pass over there, like, what difference does that make? It was just confirming that the fact that Jesus was who he said he was. In fact, they said over that 40 days, there were close to 500 different individual scholars say that actually saw and encountered Jesus. So it proved that he really was the son of God, that he died and he rose again three days later, proving what he said he would do. And it says, he spoke to them about God's kingdom. And what we're gonna do today is we're gonna study one of the occasions that, that Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He's talking to them about the kingdom of God. And he says, listen, this is what your life is gonna look like over the next few weeks, over the next few months. I'm gonna use you to be courageous, to step outside of your comfort zone, and you're gonna do absolutely incredible things in my name and for my name. And if you're willing to do that, you're going to be a world changer. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, I, I want to be a world changer. Like, I want the world to be different, and I trust that you do too. And I believe that God has called every single one of us, every man, every woman, every teenager, every child, every single person to change this world. And so how do we change the world? And I think it's going to be kind of surprising to some of us how that actually happens. And in order to change the world, Jesus is going to give us some, some principles here. And the first principle he's going to give us is he's going to say, you know what you need to do? You need to take a time out. You need to take a time out. Don't get started right away. You take a time out. In Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he says, One time when Jesus was eating with them, he told them not to leave Jerusalem. What he's saying is, is he's saying, man, I have a mission for you, and it's for the world. It's not just for Jerusalem. But listen, until I want you to go do that mission, I want you to take a step back, and I want you to take out a time out. I just want you to get... Uh, chill out for a little bit. Don't get started too quickly because something's about to happen. Now, timeouts, timeouts are a good thing, aren't they? There are some times in life we need some timeouts for ourselves. When we're, the world gets going crazy around us, what do we need in that moment? We need to take a step back and take a timeout. When our attitudes start acting up and we start getting angry with other people, what do we need to do? We need to take a step back and we need to take a time out. Time outs are good things. As a parent, you know that time outs are good for your kids, don't you? When I, like, I love watching parents with kids, especially with, with the whole uh, no, no spanking thing, because timeouts are the primary way of discipline today. Because when I was a kid, we didn't have timeouts. We had timeouts and we had reminders. You know, there was a reminder, then you went to the timeout. And if you know what the reminder is, that means you got your butt whooped. And so, like, I love watching parents, especially at Walmart, because Walmart just seems to have this ability to make kids, like, release uh, in ways that they don't release any other place. I would maybe even say that they're demon-possessed in that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, you go down the toy aisle, you see the demon-possessed kid coming out like, ah! You're like, it's for, you're, I know your kid's not demon-possessed. I'm not, 
not saying that, but you get what I'm saying. And what is the parent? Parents like, do we need a timeout? No. We, we probably need something else. But, uh, you know, you go and you set them down so they can calm down because we need timeouts every once in a while. Every once in a while, you and I, we need timeouts. Jesus modeled this so great for us. You look right in the beginning of his life, right, right when after he, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, the first thing he did is he took a time out to the desert for 40 days. Took a time out. Just got away from everything. You, you look at when he's getting ready to choose the 12 disciples. He went alone and prayed for a while. He took a time out to make a major decision in his life. You think about right before he went to the cross, what did he do? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed all night. He took a time out from the chaos of the world to get some perspective because timeouts are an important element to our faith to, in order to get us ready to be courageous. I know some of the most significant things in my life have happened during the seasons of timeout. And I don't know about you, but I try to daily have some timeout periods. Every morning when I wake up, I like to take a time out and read some of God's word and pray and talk to him and just kind of shift my perspective in the right way because I know the day is about to happen and, and hopefully that day is going to be good. Everybody likes some good days, but how many of y'all know that we have some bad days? Bad days seem to come along a little more often than good days for some reason. And during those bad days, there are some times in those bad days that I like to take a time out, just take a step back and go, Spend a little time with God and maybe pray some scripture like James 1.5. Man, God, I need some wisdom today. I need to know how to react in this situation. Just take a time out and hear from God. Some of the most significant words from God that I've had in my life are during seasons of time outs where I just took a step back and said, okay, God, before I get running into this, before I go do this great work that you have for me, I'm going to seek you so I can hear you. And timeouts were important to Jesus. And he goes, man, before you change the world, church, man, I just want you to stop. Don't move from this place. Take a timeout. And here's what I want to encourage us to do. We're getting ready to come into one of the biggest seasons uh, for Christians all over the world. It's called Easter. Maybe you guys have heard of it. Um, it's coming up in three weeks. It's when everybody that comes to church twice a year on Christmas and Easter shows up, right? Um, and then all the people that don't go to church, they come to church that day as well. And, and so here's the deal. As a church, we have a phenomenal opportunity to reach a whole bunch of people. And so maybe what we should do this year is we should take a time out and we should start praying and saying, God, before I go invite somebody, before I go and spread the good news, God, why don't you speak to me about what you want to do? Why don't you put some people on my heart, let me start praying for them and preparing the way spiritually before I go do something physically. And take a step back and go, God, man, I'm going to put some trust in you right now. I'm going to put some trust in you, and I want to I hear from you before I move forward to do what you want me to do. And so the first thing that a world changer does is they take a time out. And while they're taking a time out, what they do, number two, is they get all that God has for you. Is they get everything that God has for them. In Acts chapter four, 1, verses 4, continue on in verse 4, it says, don't leave Jerusalem. And then he says, until. I want you to circle that word, until. Because he's, he's saying, listen, something specific is going to happen in your life. And so before you leave, something specific is going to happen in your life. He says, until the Father sends you what he promised. He says, don't get started until you have the right tools to do the project. 
Anybody ever had uh, an opportunity to go out and try to do a project and you didn't bring the right tools with you, so you improvised to do that project? Anybody ever done that? Like anybody ever tried to screw in a screw uh, with their fingernail because they forgot a screwdriver? Come on, come on, raise your hand. Yeah, you, you, there's like five of us. The rest of y'all, you're all liars. You know you've tried it. Jack W, how about, how about this? How many of you guys have tried to use a credit card to screw in a screw because you forgot your screwdriver? Yeah, there's a couple of us. Messed up your credit card, couldn't pay with Visa anymore. How many of y'all have used a butter knife to try to screw in a screw? Yeah, there's a lot more of us right there. I was gonna say, the, the ones that aren't raising your hands, I've been to your house, I've seen the bent end on that thing. Like, we know you're using it. You're like, this didn't happen because it fell in the, the dishwasher or the disposal. This was because you were trying to screw in a screw. We all do that in life, and because you don't use a screwdriver, it doesn't work real well because you didn't have the right tool. And this is what I know is life works so much easier when we have the right tools in our bag. And Jesus says, listen, I've got a great work for you to do. And, and he's saying, man, church, I've got world-changing stuff for you to do. There is a purpose and there is a plan for you. But he goes on the next part of the verse and he says, remember, I've told you this before. John was baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, you'll be baptized. And now let's kind of go back and understand what Jesus is to some degree talking about here. Because in in Luke chapter 3, remember Luke is referencing a book before and he's referring to that as he's moving forward. Like in Luke chapter 3, what happens is Jesus gets baptized. He goes down and he goes to see his cousin John, who is known as John the Baptist. He was a kind of a crazy, weird person. He's the kind of person you wouldn't leave your kids with. He was that kind of weird guy. And so we would probably be watching him at church wondering what the heck is that guy going to do. Like we'd have all eyes on him. And so... John was kind of a weird guy, and Jesus goes down to the Jordan River, and he shows up, and he says, John, you've got to baptize me. And John recognizes, even though he's Jesus' cousin, he recognizes for the first time, he's like, man, this is the Son of God. And he's like, I can't baptize you. And Jesus is like, man, I need you to baptize me because this is going to fulfill Scripture. And so he ends up baptizing Jesus, and as he comes out of the water, the Bible says a dove comes down from heaven, uh, which is signifying the Holy Spirit. And God speaks out with an audible voice, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. And he says this to everything, everybody that was all around watching this significant event happen. And what, what it was is it was validating the ministry of Jesus. God was coming down and saying, man, this is what's about to happen. And it says immediately after that, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert where he ended up being tempted in life. In in fact, it wasn't a very nice place. It was kind of a time out period for Jesus. And let me just say this for some of you guys, because some of you guys right now, you're going through a desert season in your life, and there's temptation coming at you all around you, and you're thinking to yourself, God must not be in this because I'm struggling right now, and I'm being tempted with things. And let me just tell you this, a lot of times when we're going through that struggle, it's because God is trying to get us to rely on him rather than what we feel in life. And a lot of times we feel like because we're struggling or we feel like we're all alone, that God isn't there and that we took a wrong turn when really God is teaching us not to run away from our problems, but to keep pushing through them. And for some of us, we need to hear that today because we're dealing with some things and we feel like, man, there's all this struggle and I feel like I'm all alone and I'm being tempted. And God's saying, don't run away from those things. Keep pushing through. Keep walking through. Overcome. And Jesus overcame the temptation and so can you. 
And after he overcame it, it says he went back to the city. And specifically, it says he went back to the city in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he went to his local church, the church that he grew up in, and he preached his first sermon. And let me tell you something, that's an intimidating thing. I remember going back to my church and preaching my first sermon there. It was crazy. And so he takes out the scroll and he rolls out. He goes to a specific section, which is totally against policies and procedures of the church of that day. Rolls out Isaiah 61. And he reads this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed, and that the oppressors will be taken care of, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come to me. The time of the Lord's favor is here. And then he rolls the scroll back up, sets it back down, goes and sits down in a seat, and everybody's looking around and going, what's up with that? And then he gets up and walks out of the auditorium walks out of the synagogue and goes and does all of that. He didn't just read it and go, oh, that's nice. He goes out and does that. And let me just make this point because this is an important point. Most of the world-changing stuff that needs to happen isn't going to happen inside the church. It's going to happen out there. Listen, this is a great place for us to come in and be encouraged and worship together and hear a good message. But the really, really impactful stuff is never going to happen in here because it was never supposed to happen in here. It was supposed to happen out there. It's supposed to be bringing this out there. It's about us going out there and doing the stuff that Jesus told us to do. And Jesus got up and he went out and he did the stuff. He healed the blind. He set captives free from people who were demon-possessed. And he moved forward and he brought the good news to the poor. And all along the way, he's bringing his disciples along. And he's teaching them and he's showing them. And he's saying, listen, at some point, I'm going to leave. And right before Calvary, he says, listen, I'm going to leave. But when I leave, man, I'm I'm going to send somebody to help you. I'm going to send a counselor, and he's going to come here, and he's going to empower you, and he's going to remind you of everything that I said. He's going to remind you of everything I did, and you're going to walk in his power. And there's going to be a day that you're going to need to remember this because that day is going to come, and you're going to need to have that power. Because I've called you to change the world. I've called you to be world changers. I've called you to be courageous. And it's not so you can go do it of your own strength and of your own ability, but it's so that you can be empowered by my spirit who will give you everything you need. Because there's going to be a day where you're going to walk out and you're going to need to say something and you're not going to know what to say, but the spirit's going to come upon you and he's going to say things through you that you would have never said before. There's going to be a time that you're going to need to remember something that I did and you can't remember it and the spirit's going to bring something up inside of you and all of a sudden that's going to come to your remembrance. There's going to be a time where you're going to need to step out and pray, and you're not going to know what you're going to need to pray, but I'm going to help pray through you. He's saying, man, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit who's like this coach who's going to lead and God and bring health and healing and, and deliverance to a broken world through you because of the power that's going to be inside of you. And you know what? God wants to do that exact same thing through every single one of us. He says, man, we're to, be, we're to be waiting on God to be filled with him completely, with more of him. And every day we can go to him and be full of God. I want to encourage you if, you, if you want to know more about what that means, I encourage you to come to, to our DNA class tonight and find out some more about that. We'd love to talk to you some more about that and what that means for your life. Because God wants to work through us, and he wants to change the world through us. But we've got to take a minute and take a time out 
and get everything that God has for us, every single thing. And then once we have everything that God has for us, we have got to refuse to be distracted. If we're going to accomplish anything significant for God, we have got to be focused. You have got to be. Do any of you guys ever get distracted by things in life? A couple of y'all? Couple of you. I'm I'm one of those ADD kind of individuals. In fact, I was I was thinking back to my wife and I went on a cruise for our last vacation. We love cruising. It's the ultimate vacation way to go. And we we went through the Bahamas. And a couple of years prior, we had gone to the Bahamas with Shayla's family on kind of a family cruise, which let me just tell you right now is the worst kind of cruising there is. When you're stuck with family on a on a boat with just ocean around you, there's nowhere to go. It's terrible. Uh, don't do that. Uh, just word of advice. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you right now through me. I'm just I'm just letting you know that's wisdom coming. Um, and so we're on this cruise, and, and we get off, and we're at the port in, the, in Nassau. And I look over, and I'm reminded, because we, when we went on a cruise with her family, we decided to, ru- to rent mopeds. Anybody ever rented a moped on, like, in, on like an island, and you you've never rode a moped before? Like, I've never rode a motorcycle before in my life. And so I'm like, man, I can kill a moped. And so all of her family's around, and the first thing they did make you do is they make you find a helmet. And so I'm, I'm concerned about how the helmet looks on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, I got good shoes that match the helmet. I'm like, this isn't working for me. And they're, and, but they want me to do a driving test. And so I'm concerned about looking good. And they're concerned about my driving skills. And I'm like, I got driving down. I'm an excellent driver. Uh, like, I'm, I'm good at this. I've never rode one of these. But I'm sure I'm great at it. And, uh, and so I get on the moped. And you have to go down this alleyway and turn around and come back. And so, like, I gun it down the alleyway. And I'm, I'm, like, looking back, trying to look cool, you know, waving to people and stuff. And we get to the end. And and because I've never rode a, a moped before, I don't really know how you turn the thing around. And so I, I get there, I get to the end, and I'm like, crap, what do I do? And so I start backing it up, and, and at the same time, I hit the gas. And I drive that puppy straight into a wall. Literally, pieces are falling off the moped. <laughs> I've not yet paid for it yet because they wanted to make sure that you know how to ride it first, which is a dumb mistake on their part. Uh, <laughs> and the guy comes running down. He's freaking out. And, 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 and I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. Why did I run into the wall? Because I lost focus. I was more concerned with, like, how I looked on that moped. And so I handed him 10 bucks, and I got a new one, and we took off on it. <laughs> it, was, it was great. I don't know why they gave that to me. But you have to stay focused. You got to stay focused or, man, everything seems to get off track really, really fast. And it happened to the disciples. I mean, God had called them. Jesus called them and said, hey, follow me. They followed him for three years. They saw Jesus change the world. They saw all these amazing things happen. And Jesus is saying, listen, it's about your time. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is wait, hang out in this time out. It's going to change the world. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Do not pass go until God sends his Holy Spirit. Listen, you'll know when it shows up in your life. And immediately what they do is they, they ask this question in verse 6. They said, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? 
Now, this is a big deal to them because they've been oppressed by Rome for years now at this point. And they're like, okay, Jesus, we know that you're real. We're excited about this. We're, we're cool with this Holy Spirit thing. So, like, is now the time you're going to kick the Romans' butt and we're going to take over? Are we going to be back in charge? Is now the time that you set Israel free and make our lives easier? And, and what God is trying to say is, like, listen, it's not about overtaking Rome. I've got a bigger vision than just overtaking Rome. The, the vision isn't just a free Israel. The vision is to free the world. It's so much bigger than what you see. And so many times when we get all focused, we're short-sighted in the grand scheme of what God is trying to do. Because all we can see is what we're looking at. And we get so sidetracked by the trivial in life. And as a church and as the church, it's so easy for us to get sidetracked on the trivial in life. It happens all the time. We get sidetracked on things that don't matter. There are people that are blind and, and deaf and dumb and going to hell because they haven't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're more concerned of, of should there be women teaching in the pulpit or not. Like we're more concerned about that. There's people out there that are, that are right now are bound up captive. And we're more concerned with should we have contemporary music or should we have traditional music. And we're focusing on the things that don't really matter at all when there's a lost and dying world out there that just needs to know. And we're focusing on trivial things. And Jesus is saying, man, don't get distracted because our agendas are so short-sighted in light of God's vision. And they're saying, Lord, are you going to free Israel right now? And, and, and he goes, man, the Father sets those dates. I don't have that. I don't know when that's going to be. They're not for you to know. And so people are like, man, is Jesus coming back? I, I love this because everybody's always like, when is Jesus going to come back? Is 2015 the year that Jesus is going to come back? Is this going to be when he comes back? And can, can I tell you, I'm not on the I know when Jesus is coming back committee. I'm on the I'm going to get everybody that I can saved until Jesus comes back committee. Can't determine that. That's what I know can't worry about when he's coming back. What I can worry about is what am I doing while he's not here? And for so many of us, we get focused on trivial things that don't matter at all. And what we need to be focused on, how do we reach one more person? How do we talk to one more person about Jesus? How do we invite one more person to experience all that God is? How do we get the courage to get outside of our comfort zones and do what's most important to God, which is win the lost How do we do that? Man, we gotta, we gotta not get distracted by trivial things. We gotta take a time out. We gotta get all that God has for us and not get distracted and go, man, what does the focus need to be? And man, you know, every, every week we give you guys invite cards. Every week. You'll, you probably got more invite cards. I haven't been here all week, so I'm gonna guess that you probably have more of these in your bulletin. Everybody look in your bulletin right now. You have some of these? Okay. These are not for you to just throw in the trash on the way out. Like, these are for you to invite people to experience the goodness of God. Maybe you don't know how to be courageous enough in your faith to share the gospel, but what you can do is you can partner together with the church, and we can invest, and we can invite people, and they can experience Jesus in a real and relevant way. Don't miss your opportunity to be courageous and do what's most important to God's heart. God's heart isn't like, yes, he wants you to have a good life, but the thing that's most important to him is, is that everybody has a good life, and the best life they can possibly have is with Jesus. And we get focused on things that don't matter. We miss out on the thing that matters most. And what happens when we start doing all those things is all of a sudden we expect to be used by God. We have this expectation to be 
used by God. And, and I love Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And he says this, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will. Circle that word, will. He said, man, something is going to happen. There's going to be some power in your life that's going to cause something to happen. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is our local area. He says, in Judea, which is kind of all the country around us. And he says, in Samaria, which is not very far, but totally kind of a cross-cultural community to our currently. And then he says, this different group of people, into the ends of the earth. And this small little ragtag, ragtag group of individuals believes God enough that they set out and they change the world. And the world continues to change. And these were just ordinary people. These were not extraordinary people. I mean, some of them were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors. They were hated by other people. Um, two of them were very self-involved. They wanted to be first in everything in life. Another one was extremely doubtful. I mean, these were not the cream of the crop. They rose to the top. These were kind of the, the scum of the earth. And Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. And because they followed him and they took a time out and they received all that God had for them. And they didn't focus on the trivial, but they focused on what was most important. They saw God move in extraordinary ways in their life. Because they had the courage to trust and believe. And I love what William Carey, who's the, the father of modern missions, this is what he said. Here's what you need to do. If you're going to be a world changer, you need to expect great things from God and then attempt great things for God. You need to expect great things from God and then attempt great things for God. What are you expecting and what are you attempting? This is meant to, to challenge us all. Like, what are you expecting God to do? And then what are you attempting for God? I was so inspired two years ago when I went to, to Tubalisha, Africa for the first time. And uh, I, I encountered a guy named Pastor Jelly. Um, he, he's actually the pastor of our campus in Africa now. Um, but I, I never met this guy. But I remember the first time I meet, meeting him, I walked in and I noticed right away that he had some health problems. That's, that's a nice way of saying it. He actually has like a club foot. He's handicapped. I mean, he's handicapped in the sense that in America he would be very, very limited in what we would allow him to do because of his handicap. But in Africa... Like, it's fend for yourself, do whatever you got to do to survive. And I met this guy, and I saw a guy that was so full of faith that he wasn't allowing the circumstances of life to dictate how he was going to live his life. He was allowing his faith to build his life. And he decided at a young age that he wasn't going to let people look down on him. He wasn't going to allow the circumstances to dictate what he did with his life. He said, I'm going to make a difference with my life. And he decided, like, since nobody will listen to me, I don't have any influence, I'll go to where I do have influence. And he knew that kids would listen, and so he started doing things with kids. He started feeding kids out of his, his daily pocket, out of what he earned. And he started feeding them. He started preaching to them. He eventually found his wife. They started feeding more kids and preaching to more kids. And, and before long, they're building this incredible church. And they look around to other villages and they go, you know what? There's, there's more kids that need to be reached for Jesus. And, and, he, and he goes, you know what? I'm not going to allow the limitations of mountains to be in my way. I'll start walking over these mountains. Remember, he's handicapped. He has a club foot. He actually, his foot is so clubbed up that it's about... 
would you, Brett, you've been there. Would you say that the, the distance of a shoe to his foot is about this? I mean, can you imagine wearing like a heel like this every day? Ladies, I know you already do that, but guys, can you imagine wearing a heel like this every single day? And this is his entire foot. This guy's walking two or three miles over mountains to get to the next village to preach the gospel because he expects thing, great things from God, and he's going to go do those great things for God no matter what. And I, and I walked down this, and I saw this, and I go, man, here's a guy that needs some help. And we said, man, we're going to partner with you. And all of a sudden, this guy started doing another campus and started reaching more kids because he didn't just, just want good things from God. He expected great things from God. And then he went out and did something with those things that God gave him. And some of us, man, God has equipped us with some incredible things. We've expected God to bless our life, and God is blessing our life. You live in America. You've got a house. You've got a car. You've got food. And you've got all of these things. And God's saying, like, now, are you ready to go out and trust me to do something incredible? Are you ready to step out of your comfort zone? And maybe, maybe it's a little painful. Maybe it's a little bit of tough. But if you'll go and you'll take a time out and you'll get everything that I have for you and you'll not focus on the trivial and not focus on what you don't have but what you do have, which is the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you start expecting me to show up, you know what I'll do? I'll start showing up. And for some of us today, man, we need to get this expectation where we, we just go, man, God, I want you to show up. I'm not going to hold back any longer. I'm not going to sit back any longer. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to be courageous and do something great for your name. Let's pray. God, we just come before you today. And this is what I know is that, God, you want every single one of us to live with courage. God, that you want to do something significant, you want to do something big inside of our lives. But for a lot of us, we're so caught up in trivial things, God. We're so caught up in busyness that, that we miss out on what you want to do. And so, God, I pray that today, as a church, that we would just take a step back and we would seek you. That we would get everything that we can from you. And that we would expect great things in you. Maybe there's some of you out there today that you didn't even know you could have that kind of expectation from God. You didn't even know you could know God. Let me tell you something. God knows you. And God loves you more than anything in this world. And he's just waiting to have an encounter with you the same way that he had an encounter with his son, Jesus. And the reason he sent Jesus was so that you could have this life and have it more abundantly. And maybe today you need to discover that. And it's real simple. It starts with a prayer. It starts with going, God, man, I realize that I don't know you. And there's this thing that separates me from you, and it's called sin. And I know that you sent your son to die for my sins on the cross. That's what he did on Calvary. And he went and he defeated the grave and he defeated temptation and he defeated all of those things so that I could have life and I have it more abundantly. God, I accept you into my life today. Come and fill me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Consume me with everything that you have. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.